Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Medicine Forward, a grassroots impact network elevating the voice of physician change leaders. Medicine Forward is dedicated to creating a brighter future for healthcare by fostering collaboration, innovation, and positive change within the medical community. With a strong commitment to improving the human patient physician relationship, Medicine Forward brings together forward thinking physicians, healthcare leaders, and change makers to tackle the most pressing challenges in healthcare today. Their initiatives span advocacy, education, and community engagement, all driven by the shared goal of creating a healthier and more equitable healthcare system. As a trusted sponsor of our podcast, Medicine Forward exemplifies their mission to promote meaningful dialogue, facilitate interdisciplinary collaboration, and inspire innovative solutions for a healthier world. We're honored to have Medicine Forward as a partner in our journey to explore the latest developments and insights in healthcare. To learn more about Medicine Forward and their work, visit their website at medicineforward.org. Join us in supporting this remarkable organization as they continue to drive positive change and transformation in healthcare. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Ripple of Change Searching for Our Quadrupling podcast. The goal of this podcast is to highlight, celebrate, and extol positive things happening in healthcare and beyond. Please remember to like, subscribe, and hit those share buttons to support us. And don't forget about our book, Ripple of Change, co-authored by Joshua and myself, showing the power of the doctor-patient relationship. And our overarching goal is to inspire and empower a multitude of positive disruptors. Check us out at www.ourquadrupleaim.com. What ripple of change will you create today? Thanks, Todd. And today we're very excited because we have a special guest, Gabe Charbonneau, medical doctor, who is the co-founder of Medicine Forward. Medicine Forward is a grassroots impact network elevating the voices of physician change leaders. Gabe is a rural family physician and high-tech entrepreneur. He co-founded the EHR Automation Software Company. And for listeners, uh, EHR is the electronic health record. He serves as EHR faculty at Practicing Excellence and has been a physician advisor to the AI scribe companies, Tenor and Sidecara. He is also the passionate creator of the hashtag Fight Burnout movement on social media and fightburnout.org. Gabe lives and practices in Stephenville, Montana. Welcome, Gabe. Thank you, Joshua. It's good to be here. And I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit because Gabe's also a great guy and a friend of mine. Um, and his energy for transforming healthcare is super motivating and definitely fills my cup up on a regular basis. And I can't state the importance of that enough to where we celebrate one another. So uh, a second welcoming Gabe to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. I, um, I'm going to push that uh, or bounce that back to you too and say it's a mutual feeling. I think we energize each other and that's so needed. 100% fellas. So uh, yeah, again, welcome. So why don't we just jump right in and uh, I'd like to kick things off, Gabe, by asking you a question. What what inspired you to become a physician? Yeah, yeah. Um, Great question. So well, when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a really small town in rural Idaho and we had an old time country doc 
Um, and he just took care of everybody. And it was a totally different paradigm than what people would would think about today. I mean, this guy, um, you never really saw money exchanged. Um, in fact, sometimes I'm pretty sure there wasn't any. Um, and he had an exam room and a room in his house for after hours that like, you know, if there was a kid who was sick, I, I know I went there with an ear infection one time, my mom took me over there. And so my, my model for what uh, being a doctor was, was just this, this human being who, um, who knew stuff, how to help and take care of people. And that really imprinted on me. He was, he was one of my first role models. I actually have a couple from early on that really stand out, but, um, but I think uh, the more I reflect on it, his name was Dr. Rory, and uh, he was just a beloved part of our community. And I, I really connected with um, how cool he was and thought I'd like to be like him. Yeah, that's that's amazing there, Gabe. And thanks for sharing that. Love, we love to hear what uh, motivates uh, you know folks to go into what they're doing and, and bring that to a positive spin. So thanks. It's awesome. Yeah. That reminds me of a, a book. I read, I think that was in part of, of my choosing family medicine, an Irish country doctor. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read that one uh, about a doctor, small town in Ireland who was paid in various uh, uh, commodities, if you will, mm -hmm. and had some, some various uh, tinctures and other solutions that may have had a bit of a placebo effect to them. It's, <laughs> a, it's a, a great read for sure. Um, did, did they get Jameson whiskey as like one of the one of the cures? <laughs> I, I I don't know that they gave it out, but I do know that there was a component of it being used medicinally between the attending physician in UL and maybe the understudy <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> right, right. Uh, That's awesome. So, shifting gears a little bit, tell us how Medicine Forward was created. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a direct way to tell this story. Um, but the, the, I think the quickest route is like backtracking a little bit to my own story of, of burnout. Um, so I went to medical school in Utah at Salt Lake and then uh, moved to Spokane where I did residency. And after residency, my now wife and I uh, got our first job at this community health clinic. And it was a super high stress environment. We, you know, when we, when we took the job, we probably could have seen some red flags, but just didn't, we just finished residency and thought, um, we could do anything. Uh, they had a loan repayment program, which sounded awesome when you have student loan debt. And, um, and we thought community health would be great because we really wanted to help people. Uh, the idea of helping the underserved seemed really great and noble. Um, one of the things we didn't realize is that with the loan repayment contract, if you left it early, you had to pay back double. Um, and I'm, well, actually we knew that, but we didn't realize that that was going to be used as sort of this, um, control mechanism and leverage to make it. So we really had no voice over our lives for that three years. And so, um, we had a front office manager that was really incentivized for volume, and so, so they got bonuses for double and triple booking us, no matter what we said about how underwater we were. Um, it was the height of the opiate epidemic. We inherited a practice from a doc who really prescribed a lot of opiates. Like I said, we just came out of residency. So we're very under-trained and under-experienced for how to manage some of that complexity. And it was just, it was brutally hard. 
So we we managed to survive that first job, but it really imprinted on me and on my wife. And uh, a piece that I haven't shared also is that we had a very early electronic health record computer in the exam room that was this web-based um, EMR. And it took like a few seconds to load a page for you to do anything. So like you were going to review labs. It was like, I don't know, anywhere from like five to 10 seconds just for the page to pop up. And so you could look at stuff. And so on top of being double and triple booked and running behind all the time, it was just like exhausting and impossible. Um, and we were on call delivering babies between the two of us every fourth night, um, or actually every other, sorry, I was every fourth night between the two of us, we were every other night. So there were only four of us that covered call. Um, and so, um, I have a little bit of a computer background and I just looked for anything that I could do to take the edge off of that. And that was kind of the beginning of tinkering with what we call macros, um, which is little software programs that do a few things for you. So I started writing these little programs that would like open those pages that took so long. So I could actually like do some other work on paper while I was waiting for the screen to load. So that's part of the story. Um, and anyway, we got out of that, out of that really tough job, managed to make it through the three years, didn't have to pay double on our loans back. Thank goodness. Um, and decided we needed a change. And my wife's family is all from Montana, um, from the Missoula area. And we started looking for jobs and found a job in rural Montana where I still am today. And, um, and when we started, um, it actually was a breath of fresh air. We actually had a lot more control over our schedule and our work. Um, but there was also, um, an emerging trend that there was this big rollout of the major EHR epic where we worked, um, and, um, and, um, that ties into my story in that, um, so this history of building macros and trying to make shortcuts, I became fast friends with the other doctor who was working there. And we basically were like, wow, this new computer is not all it's cracked up to be. It's very difficult. <laughs> and so we started making little programs, um, to try and take the edge off, which led to other people wanting to know about that. Cause it was helpful. And we did consulting first, kind of teaching other people how to do that. Um, we built essentially um, voice automations with Dragon, the software Dragon. So you could say like, hey, do all this stuff at one time instead of having to do so many multiple steps. And that turned into asking the question of like, well, why can't these very expensive and fancy computer systems just have like built-in buttons that do work the way a doctor thinks? And so we could focus on the things that have the most meaning to us, which is taking care of patients. And so we actually, um, I self-taught um, myself how to write uh, a little bit more computer code than I had known before. And we built an app that essentially was an add-on to Epic um, that did that. And for quite some time, we pursued that because people were so desperate to have um, help with this challenge. And, um, and really, the computer was just getting in the way of us of being the doctors we wanted to be. And I found that um, a few things. One, it's very hard to get new software into the healthcare system. Two, um, the, the big EHR vendors do not want you to build things like what we were building. So that was a barrier. And three, <laughs> there was this underlying problem of, of burnout um, that was even bigger than the technical problem that we were trying to solve. I mean, there were all these wonderful docs who like you would go and try and help them build these tools and they were just exhausted and frustrated and felt like they had no voice, no one's listening to them. And, um, 
actually, in my case, a lot of them were people that I had trained with, like attendings and specialists that had taught me when I was in residency. So it was actually really, really a, kind of a, emotionally hit me. And I felt like I definitely wanted to make a difference, but I didn't really know how. So um, yeah, so we we built this software company and for for a few reasons that failed. And I kept asking, well, how can I make a difference? These things matter a lot to me. I got involved in local leadership. Um, that was really frustrating. Um, it was, I mean, I, I didn't feel high stress until I would go to these meetings of our local primary care council. And it was supposed to be a place where like doctors would have a voice and help kind of shape primary care and make things better. But it really devolved into a meeting where it was basically like, if you're a representative from your clinic, you go there and like hear what administration wants you to do and like where the money is going to come from next and then go back and get your colleagues on board with that. And so it just it was like, that's very frustrating. And that is not what I how I feel like I want to spend my time and I really want things to be better. And it just didn't feel it didn't feel like that was making a difference. So that was like a piece of like what got me fired up to think about things differently. Um, so anyway, startup startup fails, at least economically. And in terms of scale, it failed. Um, in terms of making a difference for people that we could get it in their hands, it was really cool. Um, but I I had all these ideas and um, and somewhere along the line, I just, you know, I kept notes throughout the years of like what what was interesting to me. And somehow I came up with this idea that there were just too many good people in medicine for us to stay as stuck as we are, but I didn't know how to get unstuck. And so I came up with this idea that I wanted to make a design and put it on a t-shirt. And this design, after thinking about a lot of symbols and ideas, is the, the mythical phoenix bird that rises up out of the ashes, symbolizing these, these people kind of being being reborn or reinventing the broken healthcare system to something that 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 we could get behind that that felt right and then it's raising the rod of asclepius the the rod with the snake that's the symbol for medicine out of the raising that out of the flames with the words fight burnout over the top and then in latin underneath it says together we rise above and I thought I was a little weird when I made that shirt. I just like, I can't even tell you why I had to do it. I just, I got excited and had to make this shirt. So I made it and wore it around. And then I had a friend, a buddy from the technology blogging space, John Lynn, and he was doing a project called the the 12 days of, of health IT Christmas, healthcare information technology Christmas. And he just wanted to talk about stories. And it's like, anybody got a story? I'm like, well, I made this shirt and I want to do something with it. And what I want to do is give it to people who inspire me that are trying to do something or who are doing something to make a difference in burnout. And John liked the idea. So he gave me a spot and I, um, and so I, I wrote about it and started doing that and basically just started finding people, um, largely through Twitter, um, who, who inspired me or other people that I knew about. And I would reach out to them and say, hi, my name's Gabe. I'm a family doc in rural Montana. I made this shirt and I would love to give you one because you inspire me with what you're doing. And I, um, I, I just like to do that. And so I'd write them a little card saying, thank you and send the, sh send the shirt. And then, um, 
And people started uh, taking pictures of themselves wearing the shirts with this hashtag of fight burnout. And it kind of took off a little bit in terms of like a, a small social movement um, and way more than I expected. Um, like I said, I thought I was, I didn't even really know what I was doing when I, when I made the shirt. Um, and, um, and I realized there was an, an important piece of that that I didn't tell you, which is that when I was um, building our software company, I went to some of the big health uh, technology conferences. Uh, there's one specific one called Hims. It's got like forty thousand people that come to it, and um, there were these people that would show up there that were wearing their suits, and then with their suits they had these very interesting bright pink socks with mustaches and puzzle pieces on them, and it was like very mysterious. Like, what is what is this all about? This is clearly something, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what the secret is. Like, but I, but I kind of want to know. And, um, and actually oftentimes it was like the coolest people, like the keynote speakers or the, you know, the folks that everybody wanted to talk to. And so anyway, I, um, eventually did learn that, um, and became friends with the guys who started pink socks. So pink socks is basically a movement and this is really interesting. This ties back into Eric Topol. Um, so these guys, Nick Adkins and Andrew Richards, um, through an interesting series of events started giving out these socks as a kind of an icebreaker to get to know people and to start a conversation about the importance of kindness and empathy and human connection. And so they carry around these, these socks and backpacks when they go to like these health technology conferences and meet people and just give them the socks. And then people would put the socks on and then take a picture together, post it on social media, hashtag pink socks and um people loved it people still love it um and so anyway like i had seen this sort of spread in this viral way of all these people who were so excited about pink socks and what that meant um you know when i was making the t-shirt i definitely had that as inspiration for um oh if these guys can do this like maybe i maybe i could come up with a way to like spread an idea too so that's how the kind of hashtag fight burnout and the like the gifting component came into existence and um and eric topol fits into this in that um when andrew and nick first started giving out socks they were at the conference and they found eric and they went up to him and struck up a conversation gave him some socks got a picture Shared, he shared that on social media with hashtag pink socks. And that's the initial thing that blew up on the internet so that like it became a thing. <laughs> so, so all roads lead, lead back to Eric in this interesting way. <laughs> you just, I think you just gave me 37 more ideas with that little tidbit there. So I stay tuned. Yeah. 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 That's cool. But along the way, one of the people who inspired me is Eric Topol, um, who is a physician author um, and scientist at Scripps. And he had written this book called Deep Medicine. And it'd been on my reading list for a while. Um, I knew I was interested in technology and medicine and where it was all going. But I, I got that book and I was a little surprised that when I opened it and started reading that a huge part of it was about the importance of standing up for our humanity. And it was like this guy was speaking things that I felt in my soul the whole time and and he was putting them to words and talking about like how we we're gonna have to speak up for our humanness um with the trends that were happening and 
Um, and I was like, okay, I got to get this guy a fight burnout shirt. I don't know how that's going to work. Like <laughs> he, he's a pretty famous dude and <laughs> right. So I, um, so actually I first almost chickened out. I, I knew, uh, I have another friend who had a shirt who had had Eric on a podcast and I was like, Hey, do you want to send Eric a shirt trying to think about like a way to get it to him and sort of expand this idea? And he's like, no, no, he answers his email you just need to write to him. So I built up the courage, wrote Eric an email. I, this is actually funny. I, I included a picture of another friend of mine who is an Irish cardiologist, by the way, now we're talking about Ireland, um, an Irish cardiologist named Patty Barrett. Um, we'd done some work together at Practicing Excellence that you mentioned in the intro. And um, and um, anyway, I sent a shirt with Patty or sent a picture with Patty wearing the shirt to Eric and told him what I was doing. And he's like, this is awesome. Thank you for doing it. Um, would you like to get on a phone call? And I was like, totally surprised. I just, you know, I didn't even know if you'd answer. I was like, yes, I would love to do that. And we we got on the phone and we chatted and he said, Gabe, this is, you know, this is the kind of thing that's needed. Um, people, people finding um, creative ways to shake things up and stand for something better. And, um, and I'm writing this piece for the New Yorker, um, in his words, I still remember to stoke things. And I, I should have probably asked what that meant, but I was just a little starstruck. <laughs> so I was so like, okay. And he said, yeah, when it, um, you know, when it comes out, I'd like to circle back and maybe get back together and just, you know, see what you think and see, see where this goes. And I was like, cool. Um, and anyway, Eric, um, sent me a copy of the article the day before it came out in the New Yorker and it was titled why doctors should organize and basically um, was this very well articulated piece about that we need to stand up for the human side of medicine in new ways for especially for the patient and physician relationship that human bond that we um, that our existing organizations weren't successfully doing that um, and that it was time for us to find a new way to do it. And there was an opportunity because of things like social media. And, um, I wrote back and told him I loved it. And he's like, great, Gabe, you need to help lead this thing. And I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> like we, we had one conversation. I gave you a t-shirt. I'm very introverted by nature. Like I, I am not equipped to lead anything. Like that's not who I am. Um, I was actually at a family reunion with my mom's very large Mennonite family in Ohio. And so it was like dinner time. And so conversation comes up, like what's going on. And I was telling my aunts and uncles about this email from Eric and, um, and they were kids of the sixties. Actually, my aunt had been at Kent state. Um, I had one of my uncles, um, is a storyteller and, um, uh, passionate about, um, uh, Who's the guy, um, Thoreau, that wrote Walden? Um, oh. Yeah. And um, there were two of the people that I talked to, and they're like, well, you you need to do it. <laughs> they knew that I was passionate about making things better. They're like, you just you just need to do it. So I thought about it, and I, um, I actually tried to talk Eric out of it, um, but he wasn't having that. And we just... <laughs> um, we kept having exchanges and conversations and um, and he introduced me to some of the other folks that had responded to the piece and who were also passionate. And we formed a band of, of docs who wanted to start something and ask big questions about how we could be part of the change. And we, um, we just started meeting every two weeks and 
um, created a nonprofit. Um, it was initially launched at, as Osler's Alliance um, for just a historical note. And we, um, the piece came out in August. We had a launch event in November and have been doing advocacy and education and trying to bring people together ever since through a series of kind of iterated experiments. Um, I shouldn't stop talking for a second. <laughs> I told you that's a long story. No, the, 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 that's really good. Actually, I, at one point, I think I was uh, jotting down how many red flags there were related to your first job. Uh, that there, there's a lot of learning to be had there for for those looking, uh, and some of it's scary, frankly, like the payback yep. double. I mean, my goodness, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So if there are any residents listening to this and you get offered a loan or payment contract like that, don't, don't take it. There are better options. I don't even know if they still do that, but they did when I, when I was eligible for it. Well, and there's a great sounding board too, right? With medicine forward. I mean, it's a safe space with the mighty networks platform. People can ask questions that'll get, you know, looked at by their colleagues and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, for sure. In our true yin and yang fashion, I think uh, Joshua's up with the next question. So I'm going to fire the ball over to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So your journey is very, um, very interesting, Gabe. And I want to go back to something that you highlighted that Todd and I have talked a lot about lately. Of course, the ripple of change, but I think we're realizing the importance of it even more. And that's the physician-patient relationship. And so I'd like to go back to that and ask you something. Um, understanding that that relationship is very sacred, it's extremely powerful, and yet it seems to be buried these days. Any possible obstacle that can get in the way of that relationship seems to be thrown out there. And so that bond's eroded over the years. And yeah. like to know, do you see a role to expand membership in medicine forward beyond patients or uh, with patients, I say, and go beyond physicians. What's your thoughts on that? Can you elaborate? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, I'm glad that you asked that question. So this has been an interesting part of our of our evolution. So, so like I mentioned in the story, it started as like a a new type of doctors organization, um, feeling like the existing professional societies just weren't weren't doing what they needed to do. Um, and so, so the founding was, well, we, you know, as docs, we need to provide an all, an alternative that they can do some of these things. And, um, and I, um, when we launched, um, one of the first things that happened that, w that I didn't see coming, that was a bit of a surprise is that there were all these patient advocates that were like, you're talking about the patient physician relationship. Where are the patients? <laughs> so my email and my social media was full of all of these angry patient advocates <laughs> initially who um who uh were were like you don't get it like you can't talk about this relationship a relationship isn't one-sided that doesn't make any sense and i i had to agree and um and so i actually i started um doing the only thing that i knew to do which was like ask anyone who is a patient advocate that was upset about that. Like if we could talk and if I could get to know them and if we could explore how to navigate through, through that challenge. Um, you know, I think the, the organization has evolved, um, a few times and I would say that we're, um, 
more and more, we're already including people beyond doctors. Um, we have a few people on our platform that are that are not physicians, but who are change leaders in their own right. Um, Denise Wiseman and, uh, runs the patient experience community, and um, she's active on our platform with us. And I am delighted to have Denise. And I think that we should probably consider more formally opening up uh, beyond doctors. Um, it just hasn't it hasn't been something that we have officially done yet. So kind of like under the table, we invite a much broader audience while we're trying to figure out how this works. I think one of the reasons we didn't just do that from the get-go was one, like I mentioned, we were thinking of ourselves as like a alternative medical organization um, that was hopefully going to get some things right that, that needed to be gotten right. And, um, and I, and I think the other thing is like the concept of get your own house in order um, before you start inviting everybody in. Um, I mean, doctors do have some unique experiences, our training, um, and, you know, Todd mentioned a safe space. Like, you know, we, we'd like to be able to like talk to each other about concerns without feeling scared that it's going to be misunderstood by someone who doesn't have that background. Um, so, I mean, I think those are, those are still challenges. So, I mean, at this point, People who are aren't docs are we vet a little bit to make sure it's a good fit, mm -hmm. um, and we're absolutely actively collaborating with other groups that that are very aligned in in values. And I I guess I would in a way like to hear Todd's thoughts on this because um, you know I I'm I'm sort of the old guy. I've been in the organization now for four years. You're you're newer here. I'd love to hear your thoughts of like, you know, the best future for medicine forward and that, you know, who, who is involved or who's not and why. That's a, actually, that's a, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and probably speaks to some of the other initiatives that I've been, um, connecting with. Um, and so you're going to get out of at least one question here, Gabe, cause I'll, I'll answer it from my, my purview. <laughs> See, look at how, look how I did that. Uh, that's that, was awesome. that was genius. That's the way it's that supposed was, to go. Yeah, that was perfect. Put it right back to you. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um, IHI, which is the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, uh, which actually was the originators of the, the triple aim, which Joshua and I have then extrapolated to what we call our quadruple aim. And just as a refresher, patient experience, quality care, lower costs. There's a little bit of discussion around the fourth component. So I'm going to, in the context of this show, we're going to say clinician uh, uh, wellness or maybe even patient wellness, I suppose, or or human wellness. I think it could go a lot of different directions. But th the point I was going to make is they're working on the Rise to Health Coalition, uh, which from the website will catalyze individuals and organizations committed to health equity and justice to build, change, and transform healthcare with shared solutions and collective actions. And so from my perspective, uh, I think it's going to be... Um, critical that we get not just physicians on the same page, but to start to expand that pool of people who want to improve the healthcare landscape uh, from what it currently is. And so to answer the question, I, I, I absolutely think at the beginning, vetting this, doing it the right way, get the house in order makes a lot of sense. But ultimately, I think opening up the pool beyond just physicians is very logical to me. And, you know, maybe it's just other healthcare leaders or nurses or, or, or other uh, very, um, oh, how do I say this? Um, patients with a lot of wisdom, like Joshua, you know, joining the group, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. Um, 
because there's obviously a lot of power in that relationship. Um, and so I, I think we could leverage that going forward. So great, great yeah, question, I mean, Gabe to Todd to Todd to Gabe to Josh. To <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I, um, I mean, part of I am so inspired by the two of you and how how you you actually just you in writing the book as both a patient and a physician together, you you went right at that, um, you know, of like um, it's 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 not. Um, any one perspective where we're all in this and we may have the way that we experience it, but like, we're, we're going to have to work together and like learn about each other's perspectives and like, you know, listen to each other. And, um, I think that's so important. And like I said, like, I'm super inspired that you guys wrote the book that you did as, as partners. Um, I think that's really a, a special and a magical, magical thing that, um, that inspires me a ton. Um, I, you know, and just in terms of like, like next steps for medicine forward and, and, and who is included. So one of the things that's um, Todd's heard me say a few times is um, I have a vision of, of sort of uniting a a federation of change leaders. And what I mean by that is um, there are these bubbling ups of many groups and people that I see as very positive disruptors of the healthcare status quo. And some of us are even starting to find each other and, um, you know, separately we might be sort of small, like medicine forward at this point has about 400 members, but if we could find ways to come together and I'm not talking just doctors, but doctors, patients, other healthcare professionals that are aligned with this, uh, this vision of transformation of healthcare. And I love, I love the model of the quadruple aim, or as you guys say, our quadruple aim as like a compass to guide us, um, you know, fight bringing together groups. Um, and I think the diversity of different kinds of groups is actually really important if we want to like solve hard and wicked problems, but bringing to, so, you know, we don't necessarily have to all lose our identity. We just have to figure out what are the principles that bond us together and how can we focus some of our energy and like decide where to direct that um, for a system system. Wow. Tongue, tongue twister system level change. I was trying to say systemic and system at the same time. And it turns out you can't say two words at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That game is brilliant. Those comments were brilliant. I, I love that. Well, you know, Gabe, you did hit on a lot of super key points in what you had just said. And how do we bond together to show that uh, we're in this together, right? I mean, we're kind of fighting, we're fighting the yeah. same fight. And I think as soon as we realize that, uh, that's when a lot of the magic starts to happen. And that's in our shared humanity. And you even hit on this earlier. We we can't lose our humanity. And, and I don't want to take this question too deep. And I guess to my, to my own story that, you know, I obviously go through um, a, a big journey in the book and for a time period, I'll just mention this for context. I felt like I lost my huma- humanity. I didn't have the ability to biologically feel it anymore, quite frankly. So, yeah. you know, I, I think what you had said is so important, you know, while there's different perspectives, different angles, different experiences, there's an underlying need to, um, to be able to support one another when we're facing adversity, right. And we're facing a challenge. Um, and, and yeah. something that, that prevents that, uh, in healthcare are silos, right? 
So, you know, a bit of a buzzword that's out there, but walls, barriers to, to reach one another, right? We're working in pockets to make this positive change. And, and it's an issue that's preventing that transformation we all want. So in your opinion, Gabe, how do you blow up these silos? How do you knock these walls down? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so I have um, I have sort of large-scale ideas and then even more sort of small-scale, very practical, one foot in front of the other ideas. Um, I'll, I'll share an example. Todd also knows about this. So, so one of the things that we've done inside of Medicine Forward is have a few book clubs. And the most recent one we did was with the book Multipliers by Liz Weissman. Um, excellent book, by the way. Um, I think in the, in the realm of like changing culture, healthcare can learn a lot from that. In fact, I was just um, at a wedding this weekend with for a friend and sitting next to another doc who gives that book out to everyone that he meets and writes a message to them because it inspires him so much, which really excited me. But the the point I was trying to make about the book club is that that really was an interdisciplinary book club. Like the invitation was open to patients, doctors, whoever was interested in being part of this and having conversations um, about how to um, how to talk to each other and um, and sort of have a facilitated space that was a safe place to to learn from one another. Um, so that's a very practical example of a small scale thing that can be done. But book clubs are surprisingly powerful. I mean, I just think it kind of diffuses a little bit of some of the the the, the fears or tensions that might be there about like, how do you even get started? It's like, well, hey, are you interested in this book? Yeah, me too. Like, okay, let's show up and talk about it. And then we can kind of like maybe share a story about our own life or our own experience and, and learn from each other. So I think um, I think that's something that excites me um, quite a lot. Um, and a, a bigger scale example um, is that Medicine Forward is interested in a, in doing a, a national summit that brings together some of these change leaders and starts to figure out how we could start to uh, build this federation. And we're we're not going to wait until the summit happens to try and bring people together. But I think I think if you can get folks together in shared space um, with good facilitation. Um, and you know, the right intentions and, um, and a belief that we can do something, um, that could really make some magic. Uh, one, one of the folks who has been just awesome since last year, um, is Lisa Scardina has been basically working as a volunteer executive director for us. And she, her background is in what's called appreciative inquiry. And it's a process that kind of guides people in groups through navigating through, um, creative solutions to really hard problems and 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 her vision is like if we could bring together people for this national appreciative inquiry summit with the topic of of disrupting the status quo of healthcare and break down some of these silos um that would be incredible um in terms of uh, i guess other stuff about medicine forward so because denise who i mentioned earlier has become such a good friend um we brought her on as our um, interdisciplinary relations officer. Um, and she's actively a participant in our meetings about how we're going to build the organization and our, and our strategy. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the ways that we think about it is just like, let's get our, let's get our hands dirty and just jump in collaborating, um, and, um, and figure out who the interested and passionate people are that we need to know about and need to think about working with. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I think that's really fantastic. And uh, one thing I, I've noticed a theme, Gabe, um, I've already picked up on you, even though this is kind of the, the first time we formally met. You listen to your heart and that comes through loud and clear in every answer yep. that, that you've shared. Um, and I, I think people are going to really um, pick up on that too. So I love it. Well, Thank you. And, and to, to piggyback on that, you know, the, the idea of a book club, I mean, how brilliant in its simplicity, right? Like get a few of your key leaders at an institution to read a, you know, book like multipliers, or I can think of another book that I like too called ripple of change. <laughs> That's a great book too. Yeah. I got that plug in there. But the, the reason I bring that up is even, you know, one of the chapters is called ROI for a health system. And in that chapter, there's 10 simple low cost or no cost challenges that a C-suite executive could could read through and probably start to transform their culture really quickly. And who's to say you could have a book club with doing that? You know, spend a little bit of time talking about that. Or, I mean, there's plenty of great examples out there of literature to, to help us get through this mess that we exist. But um, perhaps the most fun part of the, the call is the ripple challenge question. So I'm going to lob that back over to Joshua to start. Let's, let's go with a, a, a real... Uh... I hope an easy one here for you, Gabe. College football or pro football? <laughs> oh man, see, this is this is gonna surprise you guys. Well, maybe not, but actually, the funny thing is, is that I I grew up um, with a family that like had no TV. So like, and in the town, that small town I had, we had eight man football, and um, it it was not so. It just wasn't my world. So I never played football. Never really watched football. Um, so I can't even answer your question. <laughs> you answered it beautifully because I was going to say the same answer. <laughs> I don't watch a ton of football either, Gabe. So great answer. So that probably told you who wrote the question there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the that's the beauty of these questions, right? There, there's no perfect answer. It's it, it's same with healthcare. It's not black and white. It's a world of gray, right? All right. So the next one, we got one more for you. What would be your best tip to reset after a bad day? And you can't answer jumping on a podcast with Todd and Joshua. You have to come up with something else. <laughs> my my best tip to recharge after a bad day. Um, I'll okay. So I'll share um, something that actually I do really often. So my my wife is a family doc too, and um, and ever since our 13 year old was born, both of us um, have worked part time. We made this very conscious decision that we could either like hire a nanny to raise our kids, or we could uh, take a pay cut and um, and and one of us be a stay at home parent while the other was the doc. And uh, I actually resisted that pretty hard at first, but that was one of the best things that's ever happened to me and our family. And um, one of the things that she and I do quite consistently is um, is when the other gets home, we go for a walk after dinner. We we sit at the table together. Um, we most of the time, um, one of us will cook will cook dinner. The one who's not the doctor for the day. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're normal people, so we don't always do these things, but that, that walk where we move around and we're outside and we actually do have beautiful mountains in the backdrop where we are in our neighborhood, um, is a huge, uh, de-stressor, um, to be, 
be with someone who is is who understands your situation and cares about you and you're going for a walk outside i would say that's amazing that's a wonderful answer i, I can't think of a better way to to wrap up this show and just as a reminder um gabe is with medicine forward and their website is medicineforward.org and thrilled to be a part of that and work with gabe and alongside him in some of these endeavors um, and remember, uh, check out our website, www.ourquadrupleaim.com. And if you haven't gotten a copy of Ripple Change already, then maybe that should be your Ripple Challenge for the day. <laughs> Another great <laughs> point, Todd, but uh, uh, it's been a real pleasure, Gabe. Thanks so much. And thanks for what you do. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joshua. And thanks to, to you and Todd also. Um, likewise, I'll, I'll turn that back to you. I really appreciate what you guys are doing as well. Grab your copy today. Ripple of Change is available in hard, soft, and ebook formats. More information at www.ourquadrupleaim.com. Thanks for listening, and let's turn ripples into waves of lasting change. Stay tuned to this podcast as we search for examples of Our Quadruple Aim.